0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: The ball
2: Hello there. This podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. The Matchball 30, 30 years on, charting the journey from Legion United's return to the top flight to lifting the Championship Trophy in 1992. And we're going game by game with a match ball on the 30th anniversary of each match. Today, a slight break from tradition in that we're basically taking you for an appointment to the dentist. We're dragging you all the way to Croydon, to Selhurst Park and Crystal Palace away. An unpleasant trip whenever it is, be it 1990, be it 2020. But here we are.
3: Yes, it's a London, big London away day, except when you get to London, it's about another six hours on a sh- slow, shitty train.
1: Not a happy hunting ground is the cliche for Leeds at this point. Um, the previous eight times we'd been there, no wins. Previous six times, no goals. No goals since 1984. Scott Sellers scored one, even lost the first ever playoff final. Or rather, didn't win the first ever playoff final, but because... Loads of the coaches didn't arrive at the ground until nearly half-time for that match in 1987 anyway. The niceties of the the result were probably lost on some of the fans who made that trip.
2: One thing we've discovered this season is that Crystal Palace are actually really, really good.
1: They've been good for a while. The team of the 80s, when uh, Terry Venables had them. And here they are with they were the previous seasons losing FA Cup finalists after a replay, finally overcome by some team from Manchester. Things might have been very different for the football landscape if Scum hadn't won that match because it, it helped keep Alex Ferguson in a job. They might have been looking for a new manager at the start of this season if that hadn't gone to plan for them. They've got Mark Bright and Ian Wright up front. Ian Wright's just had a, an England call-up in the build-up to this match. Their partnership is has been ridiculous for a, a while. Up to this point, I think 160 games they'd played together. 150 games, sorry. And they'd scored 120 goals between them. Just beaten Southend 8 0 in the League Cup, unbeaten in seven as well in the league. They're like Wimbledon, but because Steve Coppel is their manager, it's like Wimbledon reimagined by a winger.
3: They're going to go on to win the league and dominate for the next decade, I would imagine, looking at this. Such a strong position. They've got good young players. Just looking through that, I mean, I watch a lot of the Palace youth team and they've. That's Stan Collymore and Gareth Southgate. They both seem like pretty handy players to have as well. So once they come into the team, they're going to be flying.
1: It's not a bad first team either. I mean, they they have the um, the country's first million pound goalkeeper, Nigel Martin, in goal for them. Young and Thorne, not the... Uh, um, who was Tracy Thorne in?
2: Everything but the girl.
1: <laughs> it's not um, the, an alternative lineup of everything but the girl. But it's uh, Crystal Palace's defence. Eddie McGoldrick's good. Jeff Thomas will become an England international if things go his way. And then, yeah, some right, right.
3: young lad called Alan
1: Pardew. He's uh, yeah, he's not in this. Oh, he did start this game as well. Yeah, didn't he? I mean, it's all. It's worth going back and finding Crystal Palace's FA Cup song that they performed on a TV chat show. It's is it Derek. Jacoby? Who presents it? I can't remember. Yeah, there's some incredibly awkward uh, singing along to their song with um, Nigel Martin and John Pemberton, both very prominent.
2: Let's do those lineups then. Lukic, Sterling, Haddock, Batty, Fairclough, White, Strachan, Pearson and Chapman up front, again the two units. McAllister and Speed complete the Leeds United lineup with unused substitutes Chris Kamara and Carl Schott back from his loan at Malmo.
3: His inspirational loan, he'll no doubt drive us on to... Avoid relegation, win the league. Something he did something good there, didn't he? He told us.
1: Yeah, he turned up there, and all their other strikers stopped started scoring, so he didn't have to play.
2: Perfect. And that Crystal Palace lineup: Nigel Martin in goal. We got Humphrey, Shaw, Pardew, Young, Thorne, McGoldrick, Thomas, Wright, Bright, and Barber. But Gary Speed returning to the Leeds United lineup, but he was due to be the substitute in this one, and yet he found himself in the lineup.
1: Yeah, Wilkinson was uh, saying he was going to keep him out of the the starting eleven. he didn't play against Arsenal, and he was asked about that. He said uh, that sometimes at his age, it's good for players to stand back and have a look at it all. The first division is a difficult one to step up to, and it will not have done Gary any harm to find that out. In fact, it will have done him a power of good. It's probably a good point, He, uh, a good job he did start this match in the end because his goal was absolutely brilliant. All the The misery of Selhurst Park and never winning there and the the length of the trip and the power and the threat that Crystal Palace posed and they they went a goal up. But Speed's goal, it's a simple one, a header from a corner, but it's absolutely magnificent.
3: I think the nice thing with this goal is the speed with which he arrives. He seems to, you, you can't quite see it in the shot, but I can only assume he's kind of run from the edge of his own box to get to this one with the pace he's arrived and the fact no one's marking him, but it's got such a lot of pace on it, both the run and the header. It's just a, a glorious bit of play.
1: Staying in the air for that long is just, you don't see footballers doing that. It's like he's running through the sky for ages and then running towards a ball that's in the air. I'm used to seeing Lee Chapman nodding in a header from two yards or or diving at a ball that's sort of, Maybe he maybe he has to go in the air a little bit, but often it'll be sort of in front of him at lower than head height, so he's he's bringing his his body down so he can meet across and crash it past the goalkeeper at sort of four feet. This ball is what it's seven feet, eight feet in the air, and Gary's speed just appears. It's like he's riding an invisible bicycle to throw the the time frame miles into the future. I put a clip of this goal on. Twitter one day and Phil Hay replied to it saying that there is almost nobody else that could be scoring that header. And this is um, his first goal in the first division, isn't it? One of his first goals in the first division he scored against. Did he score before this? Who even knows? I'm so excited about how good it was that I can't remember.
3: I mean, it was from a few yards out, but I think equally he could have headed this from 30 yards in the way he did and it would have probably still gone in.
1: One million pound goalkeeper. And it just goes, it's not even to his side, it just goes through him. And he must have seen it coming because it's it's like Gary Speed is running straight at Nigel Martin and then jumps and heads. And you think if you're a goalkeeper, right, that ball is probably going to be coming in my direction. I'll put my arms up and I'll stop it. And he puts his arms up and it just goes through him and it's in the back of the net. And Speed is running off to the corner with a massive grin on his face before Nigel Martin can even touch his moustache and wonder what's happened.
2: When I think of Gary Speed and his qualities as a footballer, if you had to sort of distill him into one thing, it would be this sort of goal. It would be that leap and that ability just to stay in the air for so long and the power of the headers. That, for me, is what he was characterised as as a footballer. Would you describe this, in cliche terms, as a textbook Gary Speed header?
1: Exactly. Only we'd never seen it before. So it's it's a, a brand new discovery about a player who, uh, Howard Wilkinson was saying before the match that maybe shouldn't play and needs a little bit more time out the team to get used to the first division. He's been called up to Wales at this point and he is getting, uh, people are saying a lot of nice things about him. Gordon Strachan said uh, that I keep telling him, I wish I had what he's got. He's got pace, he's got great touch and he's good in the air. And Terry Yorath, who was Wales manager, was saying uh, um, he's a fine prospect. And if he has a weakness at present, it's a slight lack of self-belief, but now that he's playing First Division football regularly, his confidence should rapidly improve and then he will really be a force to be reckoned with. He just made his international debut against Denmark. He said it was a very promising performance. Wilkinson was a bit more, I think he's trying to to stop him from scoring goals like this by keeping his feet on the ground a little bit. His comment before the game ended with him saying he should go on to have a good career in football, but then he puts him in the team and lets him do something like this, and you know he can do absolutely anything if if he can do that.
3: I really enjoyed the build up to this goal as well, or the build up to the thing that led to the corner. It reminded me of um, Carlos Alberto's goal in the nineteen seventy World Cup final. It's quite, quite a famous one. It's where Pele kind of collects it on the edge of the box and just casually rolls it into that right hand channel. So Pele in this is. Role is played by Lee Chapman, I believe, who's a very similar sort of player. And Carlos Alberto is uh, Mel Sterland, but rather than shooting first time, he kind of just cuts down the right hand side. But talking about the speed of um, speeds run up as well, Sterland, likewise, just arrives at the box going at about 200 miles an hour, and they've, they've absolutely no way of stopping him. <laughs>
0: JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit
2: jdpower.com
0: slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: Getting caught up in the majesty of Speed's goal there. Let's not forget it was an equalizer because the game hadn't been... Easy up until that point, and we had fallen behind.
3: Ian Wright's very fast, isn't he? That seems to be causing us a bit of a problem. I, I I think maybe given we're looking at strikers, he might be worth a look.
1: I don't know if money could buy him. He is that good. And uh, Yeah, as I said at the start, Wimbledon, but as managed by a winger. And if you imagine uh, John Fashanu had pace, it's probably maybe something like this would have. I don't actually. I don't think it would have occurred to Dave Bassett, or would it? Because Dave Bassett had. Um, Brian Dean and Tony Agana when it was at Sheffield United, and that was all about running very quickly into the, the box and scoring. But yeah, the, the way that Crystal Palace go from their end to ours is frightening.
3: Now, Nigel Martin starts this move off as well, doesn't he? Catches a sterling cross, throws it out to McGoldrick, uh, who then plays it forward to the right. But, I mean, I'm happy enough with Lukic, but is Nigel Martin someone to keep an eye on as well for the future? I don't know. A million pounds seems a lot
1: of money. They've only just signed him.
2: And you say that about Ian Wright, and you know, you're know, you probably going to be looking at, what, two and a half million quid if you wanted to sign him. Imagine paying that for a transfer, two and a half million quid. That could get you, what, half of Ian Meslier these days?
1: We got Lee Chapman for, what was it, 400,000. So who got the bigger bargain? And he didn't even score this. He puts it wide. Admittedly, it looks like it was by um, centimetres. But yeah, it's a—it's uh, the kind of chance you'd expect Ian Wright to Berry, it was a a big wake-up call, that one. It's a classic
3: bit of Ian Wright play as well, isn't it? The way he's he's able to control it and just move it out of his feet quickly and shoot across the keeper. We'll go on to see him score plenty of goals like this.
2: And Jeff Thomas had a chance as well in that first half. Jeff Thomas, of course, made famous for hitting the corner flag or whatever it was when he, he had that shot. Imagine that being your career legacy. But in this game, he had a slightly better opportunity
1: against Leeds. Just ask Steve Morrison about that being your career legacy. I'm
3: not entirely sure what happens with the defendant on this one. There doesn't seem to be a huge amount of danger and then Shaw just essentially passes to Thomas who seems to be stood with no one anywhere near him. I think Sterling and Fairclough seem a bit confused as to who should be marking who and Chris White's just a bit further to the side and it's essentially just to put some straight through on goal without any kind of guile in it whatsoever.
1: Just a huge gap there suddenly, isn't there?
3: But Lukic does very well to come out and close it down.
2: Well, as 2020's Patrick Bamford would tell you, you position yourself between the defenders, don't you? You go between the full-back and the striker or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, but you're not normally picking your spot along a a line of about half a mile, as uh, Thomas seems to be able to here. But as Michael said, the way Lukic comes out, he sees the gap and is very quickly out it's a big strong hand that stops um, Thomas from scoring.
3: Uh, Would VAR have another look at the rebound? These days, it kind of it comes out to to Thomas again, and Chris Fairclough's over there to, to we'll say deal with it. I think on reflection, he maybe just clatters him, and it should be a penalty. But no one seems to complain. It seems to like it seems like that's a fair amount of contact. I think in in reality, neither of them get anywhere near the ball, so it kind of seems fine.
1: Fairclough does deal with it. He also deals with Jeff Thomas, and um, the ball is basically left to look after itself isn't it? But yeah, as I said, nobody, there's there's not a hint of anybody claiming for a penalty, just yeah, corner, play on.
2: And that sort of wrapped up the chances in the first half, into the second half though and we had a big chance that nearly almost immediately led to, um, to Crystal Palace taking the lead, 54 minutes in.
1: We were actually getting on top in the game. Wilkinson said he'd been pleased by the end of the, the first half and, and sent us out to do more of the same in the second and it was looking like we were taking control and um and yeah this was a chance to go ahead
3: i don't know if the whole defense was just having a failing this day but the finish from um, from chris white when it falls to him from Chapman's flick is um well it doesn't go the, it doesn't hit the corner flag if we're looking at the positives uh, does it hit his foot at all it's not entirely clear if it hits his, if it hits it at all it's a maybe it gets a stud on it or something but he has a big swing big old swing with his left foot which then almost goes to fairclough and then, about five seconds later, the ball's in the net at the other end.
1: To be fair to Chris White, he does get a bad rep for his um, his touch, and I think it's all to do with the fact that his legs are about a mile long. But don't forget that he was playing indoor soccer in the United States of America just a couple of seasons before this, where he had a very good record on goals and assists. It was six aside on a pitch that's the size and sort of proportions of a of a ice hockey pitch but um without the ice it had um i don't know what it just parquet floor i guess you could say it's the size
3: of a, of a five-a-side pitch
1: yeah that's maybe a better comparison <laughs> but it did have it but it does have the i think it had rounded corners i can't remember i've watched some of it and he does he's he is good with his feet but not here.
3: it's Ian right again who does the damage here because when it's cleared he's just Far too quick. Races away from us um, and then squares it to Thomas who just taps it in more or less. So the Lukic, he does almost get there. It's a very good effort for him.
1: It does make you wonder why Peter Haddock started at left-back I can only assume that McWhitlow was injured for this game because um, Haddock was the player chasing Ian Wright, whereas if it had been Whitlow, I think he would have overtaken him and just taken the ball off him.
2: <laughs> like a racing car going into turbo, no less.
1: Exactly, but it was a good effort by Lukic. But he hurt himself quite badly. And he needed a lot of uh, treatment after this. He thought he dislocated his his collarbone or his shoulder, and um, I think the assessment was it was just bad bruising. But he was in a lot of pain for the the rest of the match. But um, he said afterwards he was quite uh, pleased that the rest of the team just kept the ball away from him, and he didn't have a lot to do because well, we had it wasn't long before Gary Speed equalized.
2: And that's one of the things that we're starting to learn about this team this year is these, the resilience within it and the fact that even against the sides who are the better ones in the division, we're really putting up a good fight and not lying down.
3: From the highlights, it really feels like without Ian Wright, we'd have probably been fine in this. But he's just a constant thorn in our side. He nearly scores again towards the end as well with another long ball over the top that he gets. a. It's a almost an absolutely world-class goal. Is this? He, he, to- he controls it with his right foot. And then without it hitting the floor, he just follows it with his left straight at Lukic, which is probably fortunate given he's he's broken by this stage. But it's just the counter-attack that we seem to get caught out by in this game, which was causing us issues. But I think, again, it's, to go away to one of the tougher teams in the league and get something from it, it's much like, uh, much like 2020. It's reassuring to know we're not getting outclassed.
1: That was kind of Wilkinson's take on it at the end. Howard Wilkinson described it as uh, probably our most... This is, I mean... Howard, come on. It was probably our most comprehensive away performance in terms of having a good team and a good performance for most of the time. <laughs> Thanks for that insight as ever, Wilco.
2: And another cultural reference, a touch point here for the kids. Uh, Strachan is saying it's a bit like a Des O'Connor record, a music hall joke that everyone hates Leeds, but we're no joke. We are no joke.
1: He was responding to see, there was quite a lot of um, more positive praise after this match, following very quickly from the Arsenal game, when all the London journalists had come up and realised that, oh, Leeds are okay, aren't they? And then they didn't have to travel as far, although, as we said, Croydon, it isn't really London. But they went there and, and said the same thing. Um, David Batty was getting a lot of positive notices after this match. Him and Strachan were the engine room that was keeping this performance more on on our side. I think there was no doubt that we were the better team. It was just that threat that Michael talked about that Palace could just go up our end at any point and give Ian Wright a goal. And the other thing to take from it, although we did say our defence was having a bit of a a mad one and Lukic was broken, Ian Wright and Mark Bright, 150 games, 120 goals, now 151 games and 120 goals because they didn't get any. If only Jeff Thomas hadn't either.
2: And looking at the stories in the press that were around at this time, we're still looking for a striker. but. It's not going to be David Speedy, according to Wilco.
1: He says not. He says the uh, the Leeds public, I'm sure, are more intelligent than to fall for this kind of thing every day. It seems new names are being mentioned all the time. And the other one is uh, John Aldridge, um, ready to, he's had falling outs at um, Real Sociedad. And um, is he going to come? I mean, he's been linked to come in, but uh, Leeds since the start of the season before as well.
3: Just signing him right, for God's sake.
1: Well, we're signing somebody who might be better, or at least we're being linked with somebody who might be better, although it's difficult to know what to make of this one. It's a striker, um, Alex Russo, who had been hailed as the new Maradona before suffering a a serious knee injury and has um, two international caps for Argentina that he got in 1988, only 22 and only valued at £350,000, but he's been having a trial at Old Trafford and played two reserve matches for them. And Do you want to do the quote from Alex Ferguson? You can
3: see it has the ability and a touch of class, but it's a question of whether his knee would stand up to the First Division football.
1: And then there's a, a slightly cheeky line at the end, which is possibly how this story got into the papers.
3: I was told he was going to Leeds.
1: Were you, Alex? Were you? Who, t- who told you?
3: To make this story more confusing, because um, I've never heard of this player, when you Google Alex Russo these days, Manchester United, there is a, a, someone playing for the, the women's team at Manchester United called Alicia Russo, but not the same person.
1: There's also the um, uh, protagonist of the Disney Channel sitcom yes. The Wizards <laughs> of Wesley Place, uh, portrayed by Selena Gomez, which um, is the other, the other reference. He, he does exist. He is uh, Alejandro uh, Marcelo Russo. Played as a forward for Estudiantes de La Plata and Argentinos Juniors, and uh, yeah, his uh, two caps for Argentina were at the 1988 Summer Olympics.
3: How many next Maradonas have there been since then? Well, I guess Messi. It's, it, I guess Messi took over, and then everyone was the next Messi, weren't they? But there's a, it, it's a. The press has always had this need, haven't they, to label every player as the next someone.
2: One thing we haven't mentioned yet is this story being carried in the Yorkshire Evening Post the headline that's attached to it which perhaps dates it somewhat and it says RG linked with United <laughs> which you know you think they'd be a little bit more respectful of national differences wouldn't you perhaps in 2020 back then absolute free for all but at least they were good enough to put the word RG in quote marks
3: and they've not called him a dirty rg which is probably an improvement on the way it would have been a few years before that
1: yeah, the outside world hasn't troubled us too much so far during the match ball, but it is um, maybe time to mention that the Gulf War has begun um, just a, a couple of months before this. So the country is on kind of a, a war footing for the first time since the Falklands, I guess. So it would be a story if a inverted commas RG signed for Leeds at this point. And just to
2: add a bit more social context, we also read in the, uh, the YEP that Leeds is lovely. And there are some choice quotes in here and some very important statistics and bits of information about other places around Yorkshire.
1: Yes, there's been a a magazine survey. It doesn't say which magazine, and I can only assume from the the context given that it's a women's interest publication, because um, although Leeds is England's favourite city, the voting in this survey said that Bradford has the best men which is uh, novel news that Leeds scores steadily in all categories except street safety, where it rates as low as London, which is possibly another indication. This has been a, a survey of women not feeling safe in the streets of Yorkshire. Bus services, job opportunities, and, and we've got more inverted commas, the local talent do not rate very highly. But property in Leeds is cheap and affordable, unlike the men.
3: <laughs> I mean, Dan, you were... Uh, in Bradford at this point. Did you find yourself continually surrounded by gorgeous men?
2: Yeah, I mean, at this point, I would have been, whoa, 12 years old, so I wouldn't necessarily class myself as Bradford man at this point. But I was, you know, getting there, you know, day by day. The sort of manliness followed on a little while further down the line. And I can say now, as a man who is a Bradford man, yeah, Adonis is everywhere. I'm sick of it, honestly. It it makes things really hard.
1: It's probably better than there's a little bit of... uh... News about Sheffield as well, where the people in Sheffield are described as moderately friendly, but the local men. The local men are average, but not outstanding.
3: They're a great bunch of lads, is what I heard about them in Sheffield.
2: Leeds, lovely Leeds, and we get to go back there soon enough and get away from horrible Croydon. Uh, We've got the second leg of the League Cup versus Leicester City midweek, and then we will pick up on the 20th of October, when we've got the Hoops, who are making the journey from London, Queen's Park Rangers coming to Ellen Road. We'll speak to you then. The match ball.